This episode is brought to you by Maui Nui Venison, a mission-based food company bringing the healthiest meat on the planet directly to your door. I have strived over the years to cultivate a deeper connection with the food that fuels myself and my family, balancing nutritional value and ethics that align with our values. This process has led me to harmonize with nature as much as possible. Maui Nui Venison brings this process to fruition. Not only does this company provide the most nutrient-dense meat available, this is the only stress-free, 100% wild-harvested red meat on the market, an operation that is truly one of its kind, actively managing Maui's invasive axis deer populations, helping to restore balance to vulnerable ecosystems and communities in Hawaii. Maui Nui seeks to restore balance, not eradicate or farm these animals. Managing populations means only a limited number of memberships are available. Get yours while you can. Go to MauiNuiVenison.com slash mindful to get 20% off your first order. Before you drift off into one of our meditations or dive into a podcast interview, I would like to share with you one of the new opportunities for our listeners at The Mindful Movement. This is Sarah Raymond, and I'm so excited to announce the expansion of our coaching services to include two of my good friends and excellent coaches, Nikki Dyer and Laura Cannon. Both Nikki and Laura provide their own unique skill sets, allowing us to meet the needs of our growing audience. If you want to learn more, just follow the coaching link in the show notes. As always, we are grateful for your support and look forward to working with you. Welcome, listeners. This is Les Raymond with the Mindful Movement Podcast, where we facilitate an environment to empower growth among a community of like-minded individuals who strive to live mindfully in all aspects of their lives. Today's episode is an interview with teacher, educator, and yoga therapist Rachel Wilson from Camp Hill, Pennsylvania. Rachel's passion for and commitment to bringing mindfulness to her life and the lives of those she teaches is inspiring. In this episode, Rachel shares some simple ways to immediately incorporate practices of mindfulness into your life today. Thanks for listening. If you have a friend, coworker, or family member that you think will get value from this episode, please help support the growing movement and share the show. If you post on social media, be sure to tag us. Interviews are published every Wednesday, and meditations are published on YouTube every Monday. Enjoy the show. I'm glad to have Rachel Wilson on the podcast today. Hi, Rachel. Hi. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you for joining me today. I'm excited to chat. Yes, I am as well. So I'll just start by telling our listeners a little background about you before we get started with the interview. Rachel's a teacher, an educator, and a yoga therapist with over 12 years of experience. She's the founder of Om My Yoga Studio and Om My Yoga Teacher Training Academy, located just outside of Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Rachel teaches classes, workshops, and retreats that draw upon her education and her experience in a number of different areas, including yoga, aerial yoga, acrobatic yoga, Pilates, athletics, and mental health studies, as well as yoga therapy. Her eclectic background really comes through in her teaching style. She engages in practices and topics that challenge individual potential and lead to personal breakthroughs, drawing on a variety of techniques to create a transformational experience for her students. And her loyal following of students and teachers just goes to show how big of an impact she is making on her community. Thank you, Sarah. Yeah. 
Now, I met Rachel about seven or eight years ago when I was in a yoga teacher training that she was leading, and I followed her inspiring journey since then, uh, mostly on Facebook. And I've really enjoyed watching your amazing growth, and it seems like it's everything's happened so quickly. <laughs> and um, I'd love to hear a little bit more about your journey, and specifically if there's anything that you're really the most proud of along that journey. Oh, thank you for asking. Um, sure. The journey has been an interesting, exciting journey that I didn't expect to take. Um, I'm never exactly where to where sure where I should start when someone asks me to describe my <laughs> my journey but since today I'll probably end up talking most about my career and my work in the field of yoga um, I'll kind of start there and just say that I didn't plan to do yoga as a career or to teach yoga as a career when I first uh, became involved with it I really did it to uh, to help pull myself through a really challenging time in my own life when I had mm -hmm. a lot of plans for myself and I thought I had a lot of things figured out. And as happens to many of us along the way, um, you know, chaos ensued and life didn't go as planned. And I took a step back um, just from everything that I had intended with various academic studies and professional paths. And I started personal training and teaching Pilates um, and doing yoga for myself. I also started running marathons with my dad, which was a really great way to reset and clear my head. And this was all in my early 20s after having just had my daughter um, and going through some definite depression and my own struggles during that time uh, and yoga and meditation tending to physical fitness felt very much like a lifeline for me. And mm -hmm. as I kept on working with these modalities to set myself back on track for this career plan, I realized that this was the career plan, um, mm -hmm. that this was something that was so helpful and so necessary for my survival that it just sort of naturally flowed into me sharing it with others. And at first it was always this like in the meantime thing that I was doing. And then like you mentioned in the beginning of our talk, it just began to grow and grow um, pretty explosively. The, the classes, the amount of information I realized I could get into and study um, and my interest level in everything. So since I was 20 years old, I haven't looked back and uh, this year will be my 13th year teaching yoga and uh, still using it as a lifeline in my own life. And I started at a fitness center in the beginning and several years after that, uh, and after having my second child, I realized that I wanted to go much deeper with the transformational and therapeutic applications of yoga than I, than I could do in like a gym setting. So mm -hmm. I opened my first small studio in my home and I literally went around pushing my son in his stroller and handing out postcards <laughs> throughout our community um, saying, you know, come and I'll teach you yoga. And I started doing private sessions with people and they were actually really therapeutic in nature. People would come after having had surgeries or with serious anxiety issues or, um, you know, people that had various ailments and uh, states of disease. And it was really 
a wonderful educational opportunity for me to work in small groups or one-on-one for several years. Uh, Eventually, I outgrew the home studio and I opened what is our current place of location. It's Om My Yoga in Camp Hill, which is a town that is pretty close to where I was born and raised. Um, And we just celebrated our five-year anniversary last year. So that was just a step I didn't expect to take. I wasn't like a studio person, and Mm -hmm. I hadn't spent a lot of time in studios, but it was this outgrowing of the home studio and the realizing of what powerful work could be done in a studio setting uh, that I just decided to make the leap. So that was in 2012, um, and within... Oh, I'm sorry. That was in 2010. And Mm -hmm. I really just dreamed that the studio would be an oasis in a really busy area, really busy lives to give people a place to grow and to look into themselves during their practice. Um, Even that studio had to expand just a couple of years in. So I knocked down a wall and tripled the size of it in 2012. Wow. Yeah, that was exciting. And that same year began the Om My Yoga Academy teacher training, which is probably the most um, special and involved work that I do because I get this really wonderful opportunity to um, embark on a six-month journey with a group. It's usually about 30 people, and they are investigating yoga for themselves as either a life healing modality or because they want to share the practice and teach others themselves. So uh, we're about to embark on our seventh round of the Oma Yoga Academy teacher training actually this coming weekend. And that began back in 2012. Um, So almost leading us to the present day, uh, a year after that, we were teaching at a festival and we met our acrobatic yoga coach and this was something that I started doing with my husband just about four years ago. And that was a really exciting piece of the puzzle that, again, I didn't know was going to be so important ahead of time until we mm. really started to engage with this um, very trust-requiring, strength-requiring partner practice that maybe we can talk about a little bit more later. Um, Definitely. And we built a whole studio to – to accommodate the acro practice and the teacher training program in Harrisburg. So we opened a second space a couple of years ago, um, which was another piece of our journey. And that's kind of brought us, brought us to some of the current day situations and various things that we're dealing with now um, and brings us to the present day. The last couple of months have been full of plenty of challenges and different shaping and growing of what the studio looks like right now, but we can talk about them as the interview continues. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I definitely remember seeing some some photos of your growth and knocking walls down, and you literally were doing it yourself, which was pretty amazing and and um, you know pretty hands on. Oh, yeah, pretty pretty great to watch. Yeah. Uh, so al- along the way, are, are there any specific moments that you're grateful for? It sounds like yoga really found you, but, it, you know, is there one moment that sticks out in your mind that, you know, you feel very grateful for? Hmm, that's a really good question. Um, I would say something that I'm grateful for. I would say that 
I always think of the phrase second chances, or maybe a better way to phrase that is that I'm thankful for unlimited opportunities. So I feel that as long as I'm alive, I can look at every day as a new opportunity to create, um, as an opportunity to invent, to make choices that will lead to my own growth or to support the growth of other individuals who are in my life. And I'm grateful that there are always second and third chances in life and countless opportunities to learn from the past and improve ourselves. And if things don't go as planned, just to start again. That's really great perspective. And, you know, it really sounds like these opportunities keep presenting themselves and maybe someone that's not as aware might just think that they're, you know, coincidences, but you really seem to be open to these possibilities and these opportunities that come to you. Mm. Yes, I openness to opportunity. That's a, a really interesting and important thing. And I think not only to opportunity, but uh, to things that we would consider to be tragedies or upsets mm. in the plan. Uh, I feel like from almost the beginning of my adult years, so many things went in a way that wasn't as I planned. Um, and all of those things that people might say were trials were what I look at as opportunities. They're the mm -hmm. opportunities that taught me again and again that you do have the strength to go with the flow and you do have ways to take care of yourself during difficult times. Um, I used to beat myself up for perceived failures, but I know now that if I put an undue amount of pressure or expectation on myself, then things can actually end up kind of imploding instead of mm -hmm. leading to the success and productivity that uh, I might be reaching for or moving towards at the time. And I realize that even if your first or second plan doesn't work out, that all this is just opportunity. You can always take another path and it can still be special and you can still impact the world. Um, because you'll still be the one walking it and bringing your lessons and your essence to everyone that you meet and everything that you do. Wow, that's a really great perspective. Um, I'm curious, I, I've seen recently uh, some of the challenges that you're facing mm -hmm. with the warehouse you were talking about and uh, some flood damage. And uh, I, I'd love to hear, you know, how this perspective of of trials and, and I, I don't want to say failures. This is really has nothing to do with you. Mm. It was a, a, you know, a natural disaster <laughs> that caused you to have to close this warehouse down. But um, I just, I'd, I'd like to hear your perspective on, you know, how you were able to recover from this and still move forward and find joy and. Sure. And, sure. Absolutely. Well, so recently we, it feels recent, but it was actually a little over two years ago, we decided, and when I say we, I'm referring to my whole team, but particularly myself and my husband, who, um, he's an attorney by trade, but he left his private practice a few years ago to really delve into the yoga teaching with me, and like I mentioned, the acrobatics with me, and the part of the support of him leaving that job was this huge project that we undertook as a team. And we hands-on renovated a historic waterworks building in our city, which was uh, parts of it were several hundred years old. 
and it was absolutely beautiful and definitely the biggest art project that I've ever done. I've always mm. loved to be creative and uh, Ulysses is very handy and likes to, to do projects uh, and builds. And the warehouse provided this huge space. It had huge uh, triple story ceilings and we installed a spring floor and beams for aerial silks. And it was this haven to do acrobatic yoga and then to host our teacher training program, which is really stretched the Camp Hill space, which is just a few miles across the river um, to the seams. But what mm-hmm. happened just back in June, as I look back at my mental timeline, is mm-hmm. that there was construction being done in this historic district using really huge compressors on the road. And it caused hundreds of years old pipes to burst in the building that we were utilizing for our space. And literally a million gallons of water flooded through the old pipes in our space. Um, And then the water was eventually pumped out by the fire department into the river. Um, But in the process, it blew out several walls and completely destroyed all of our walls and flooring um, and all the work that we had done. And it was really sad. And I can't say that I'm not still dealing with some of the effects of that loss in our business and in my emotions. But I Mm -hmm. do have to say um, that life really prepares you. And as I looked at the loss, I thought this isn't even the third hardest trial or challenge that I've had to face. So I'm fairly certain that we'll be able to get through this one. And mm-hmm. I just try to realize that adversity and the loss of things or plans doesn't need to be something that totally rocks my world. As soon as we walked into the waterfall that flowed through the building for five days straight, I just knew almost instantly that it was time for a new chapter. And I'm still not sure what will be written in that chapter completely, but things are taking shape, and I do know that it'll be meaningful. That's great. I, I can't wait to see what the new chapter brings for you and your uh, your family and your business. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, I just can't even imagine. Yeah, I couldn't but, imagine but... it either. But, <laughs> you know, sometimes I look back on the videos we took in those early moments just because I think, was I blowing this up in my mind? But it was intense. It was a mm-hmm. a strange message, though, that it was time to move on. It was very powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, um, along this journey, both positive and negative, were there any specific mentors or teachers that had a strong impact for you? Mm. Um, well, along the whole journey or along this most recent? Well, I would say just along the along whole the journey. Along the whole journey. Um, Well, I have to give credit to my parents. I would say that uh, I was born into a really loving family, and even though we definitely have our differences, we don't always agree Mm -hmm. on everything. Uh, They did teach me that generosity can change lives. Uh, They taught Mm -hmm. me that your character is more important than the things that you have. And in a way, they were the first yogis that I know, even though Mm -hmm. they didn't actually practice yoga on a mat in the traditional um, sense of physical movement. They really lived some of the core values that are involved in the yogic path. And um, and they weren't perfect. And that was good, too, because I'm not a perfect mom and I'm not a perfect teacher or person. 
But from a young age, I learned that you can love someone unconditionally with your flaws um, and create community and create uh, support. Um, more recently, I've sort of struggled at times with the question, like, who is my teacher or who is my mentor? Mm -hmm. Because a lot of the current day yoga teachers that are voices in uh, yoga as it is right now, they trace back to a deep lineage or they have really deep roots with mm -hmm. a particular tradition. And that's something that I don't have. I didn't have a, a particular teacher that took me under their wing or um, a lineage that I connected to exclusively. Uh, and in the beginning, I sort of thought that that was unfortunate for my own growth. But what mm -hmm. it did was it, it caused me to take a real sense of agency and self-responsibility for my own learning. And I just, anyone who knows me um, on most any level that has spent any time with me, whether in the studio or in my home, knows that I'm just a total book lover. And <laughs> I have so many teachers and mentors through the pages of hundreds and hundreds of books that I've fallen in love with over the years. And every training that I lead, every workshop that I do, I carefully select the books that I'm reading in the weeks and months leading up to it to try to just help to start the conversation and start the line and direction of thinking um, in my own heart and mind. So I would say my books are my teachers. And if you wanted a list of the authors that have meant the most mm. to me, I can certainly provide that. Have to give that one quite a bit of thought. <laughs> sure. Do you have any one in particular that comes to mind um, out of the long list? You know, I would give a couple just because of the name of this podcast being the mindful movement and thinking about mindfulness. Uh, the person that I would say has taught me the practice of mindfulness through the pages of some of her books would be Tara Brock. Um, mm. She's located not too far from, from you. She's in the D.C. area and still right. does workshops. Uh, and she talks a lot about uh, mindfulness and about uh, the true refuge that we can all have uh, within our own awakened hearts. And she's been a teacher to me. Another one would be Deborah Adele, who I've had the pleasure of hosting in my studio several times now. And um, I keep a somewhat regular just dialogue with her through email and her book on yoga philosophy called the Yamas and Niyamas uh, was mm -hmm. a just a real awakening point in my journey. And it's something that I share with everyone who comes through training with me, this book, it's a really simple, easy read on the 10 value practices or ethical principles of yoga, uh, but in a way that we can relate to that doesn't cause any sort of, um, self-judgment that would keep you from progressing. So Deborah Adele has been another voice of real leadership uh, that I truly admire in my life. That's great. Thank you for sharing that. Sure. Um, do you feel like you have a specific uh, definition or um, what really mindfulness means to you? And maybe you could share how you apply it in your work and other areas of your life? Sure. Um, that's a good question because I think that mindfulness has definitely gained a lot of traction in our culture. Um, I've actually been asked, in addition to this this talk with you today, to do a talk on mindfulness tomorrow um, in a different setting. So it's like the hot word right now. 
Uh, Definitely and I'm glad is. that people are talking about mindfulness, but I don't think that everyone that's utilizing uh, simple mindfulness practices maybe realizes yet how deeply life-changing the practice can be. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think to answer a, a definition, I'll borrow some words from Tara Brock from her book, Radical Acceptance. And I think this really sums up what mindfulness is. She says, clearly recognizing what is happening inside us and regarding what we see with an open, kind, and loving heart is what I call radical acceptance. If we are holding back from any part of our experience, if our heart shuts out any part of who we are and what we feel, we are fueling the fears and feelings of separation that sustain the trance of unworthiness. Radical acceptance directly dismantles the very foundations of this trance. I love that quote, and uh, yeah, she just speaks to this this trance that we're in. And uh, I think that it sometimes is easier in our culture to get into a sort of a numb state of trance, the feeling of unworthiness, the feeling of fear-based living. But mindfulness, in its essence, is just being willing to uh, be in touch with the present moment sensations, the joy and the simplicity or the ache and the pain that's happening right here in this moment. And as far as your second aspect of the question about applying mindfulness uh, in my work or, or, or out of my work, uh, mm -hmm. I would say it's extremely important on the mat in the yoga practice or really any movement or even fitness exercises, uh, accepting your body and its strengths and its limitations and knowing where your emotions are at on a particular day, when it's time to work, and when it's time to hold back and nurture, those are all mm -hmm. insights that we can't have without a mindful awareness and attention. And off the mat, uh, I would just sum it up by saying that mindfulness is an essential pause that is taken, and it's that moment between uh, something occurring, something happening to you. That's how we think of things. Uh, mm -hmm. And before we respond, so there's this opportunity for a pause. Um, every breath is an opportunity for that mindful pause. And that's not to say that I always succeed at living in this way. Uh, mm -hmm. But I think that mindfulness can be found in the most exciting and energetically charged moment of success but it also can and needs to be found in the mundane and the painful. Uh, and I'll, I'll share with you one quote that I think speaks to the, the real-world practice of mindfulness. And if I could sum up uh, my mindfulness practice or what I try to use as a model for my mindfulness practice, it would be this quote by Thich Nhat Hanh. He says, while washing the dishes, one should only be washing the dishes, which means that while washing the dishes – one should be completely aware of the fact that one is washing the dishes. <laughs> At first glance, this might seem a little silly. Why put so much stress on a simple thing? But that's precisely the point. The fact that I'm standing there and washing these bowls is a wondrous reality. I'm being completely myself, following my breath, conscious of my presence, and conscious of my thoughts and actions. There's no way... I can be tossed about mindlessly 
like a bottle slapped here and there on the waves. So that's the off the mat practice when washing the dishes, just simply mm. be washing the dishes. <laughs> right. I love that. And I think that really in this fast paced world, we, we need to stop and actually wash, wash the dishes <laughs> and, you know, not do 10 other things while we're mindlessly washing the dishes. Yeah. Really great. That quote alone, I think, um, has, helped me to transition and could help our world transition from being chronic multitaskers and maybe that practice, you know, whether it's the dishes or um, in training one of the days we use the practice from, uh, I think Deborah Adele has this in one of her books and it's in several other books I've read as well of mindfully eating an orange and taking Mm -hmm. an hour to eat an orange and noticing every texture and smell and sensation and it, it nearly drives people insane to do this practice <laughs> at first. Like, really, at first I tell them they can do it in a half an hour because they have to build up. <laughs> right. But these mindfulness practices are good. It's okay to feel a little crazy doing them at first. Yeah, I think I've tried something similar with a piece of chocolate, but it definitely did not take me a half an hour. <laughs> yeah, maybe go with something that's not quite as delicious. <laughs> right. I don't think I could have lasted a half an hour with a piece of chocolate. <laughs> Well, um, since, as you said, you're starting your seventh group for your uh, 200-hour yoga training program, it sounds like you've worked with a lot of teachers in the past, Mm -hmm. and I'd love to hear if you have any specific advice uh, outside of really teaching the exercises and the the poses uh, for those people that are either just starting out in the movement industry or people that have been in this field for a long time. Mm, Yeah. Um, I would say just make sure you take care of yourself if you're if you're putting yourself out there as a pillar of support or guidance for others. Um, along with mindfulness, I think that self-care is one of those catchphrases that gets used a lot in our current day. Uh, but I find it to be really essential. But I might define it a little differently than than it's used by by everyone on the internet and and just mm-hmm. being thrown around. So it does not mean to me that you always deserve a spa day or, (laughs) uh, you know, a long weekend or those $200 boots. I mean, I'm not saying that we can't benefit from those things and that sometimes, (laughs) you know, a spa day and a great pair of boots might really just restore your your good feelings. Um, But I think it's more than that. I also think, I'll tell you what I think self-care is not, and then I'll talk a little bit about what I think it is. I think that it's not about making decisions that add comfort and ease to my life but at the expense or detriment to someone else's life, because I've seen it played out that way quite a few times as well. What I do think self-care involves is sometimes making hard choices to protect your own valuable energy. Uh, I think Mm -hmm. that self-care sometimes means saying no when it would be easier in the moment to just give a yes. Uh, I think that self-care involves uh, sometimes leaving relationships or circumstances or a career or a plan that just isn't working. Mm-hmm. I think that, and that can sometimes be hard. It's not a feel good thing to do at first. Sure. I think self-care involves blazing a trail sometimes instead of taking the paved road so that you can end up living a life of your dreams. I think taking care of yourself is not always easy. Uh, it involves making long-term choices that best serve your needs of survival and happiness, and your current good and your future contribution to the world. 
Yeah, I love that. Sure. That's a phenomenal explanation of self-care. And, um, you, you know, we always think about those spa days and, and the $200 pair of boots, but uh, to think about the things that are really hard, but that that are needed to take care of yourself are important as well. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So uh, I know that you're involved in the acrobatic yoga and you practice this with your husband. And I, I, while I don't have a ton of experience, uh, really any experience in this um, in this realm, I love, love watching the, all of the videos of the two of you moving together. They're really artistic and, and graceful. And um, while we were communicating via email before this uh, interview, you mentioned the idea of nonviolent communication that needs to go with this practice. And I'd really love to hear just a little bit more about that. Absolutely. Um, this is a subject that I love to talk about, not only because I love acrobatic yoga and all of the excitement and just feelings of limitlessness that the practice provides, but because I really love the study of intrapersonal communication. So that's the communication that you have with yourself uh, and also interpersonal communication, the communication that, that we each have with other humans. So mm-hmm. acrobatic yoga, it just seems to be this practice, especially at, at sort of high levels where you are practicing beyond your what you thought was initially your comfort level. Uh, it's a practice that can bring out the best in people for sure and in communities, but it can also really bring a lot of heated emotions to the surface. Mm-hmm. And I see when I, when I coach this, when I spot people, when I teach this, uh, and when I practice, the acro practice specifically, that one of two things tends to happen when people are engaging in a movement that they, that they at first can't do or that scares them or that didn't work out the way that they had hoped the first time or the tenth time that they try it. And mm-hmm. the first is that they turn on their partner and they say, you did this wrong. You mm-hmm. fill in the blank. You uh, bent your wrists too much or you didn't straighten your legs or Uh, You picked me up too quickly. Uh, The second thing that can happen is that they turn on themselves. And you usually Mm -hmm. see this in people that have maybe not as strong sense of self-worth or self-confidence, but they immediately, they apologize and they say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I did that wrong or I'm not ready for this. Even if it is something that with practice and dedication, you know, they are ready for it's within their skill set. So they turn on each other or they turn on themselves. But the question, the nonviolent question is always, what can we do different to make this work? And when you Mm -hmm. look at it like that, suddenly all of the resentment and the blaming and the defensiveness just goes down. And it's this collaborative project. What can we do to make this different? Something's not working. So how can we, as a team here, change our approach or better communicate and better support each other so that we can make this work. And I try to take that that we approach to acro yoga and to uh, the team that I manage at the studio, uh, Mm -hmm. to my family, and just to any relationships or friendships. And it's like a magic, uh, just a magic formula to use. You can see the tendencies come out in – a practice like acro yoga because it brings a lot of emotions and challenges right to the surface and to the moment. Um, But it really is enlightening to 
what happens in relationships off the mat. And it's just made me more aware of my own tendencies. And it's given me sort of a sneak peek into the tendencies of many, many partnerships and communication along the way. And I've been able to learn from those too. Sure. That's phenomenal advice, whether you're practicing acro yoga or you're interacting with your spouse or your kids, or as you said, your employees, your team members. Uh, I think we can all definitely benefit from that piece of advice. Mm -hmm. That's great. Well, um, Rachel, I know that our listeners are going to want to find out more about you, connect with you, um, you know, learn about what you're doing and follow you on any social media that you have. So um, can you share with us what the best way to get in touch with you would be? Yes, absolutely. Um, well, our studio website is ohmmyyoga.com. It's www.ohmmyyoga.com. And the studio also has a Facebook page, which is also Om My Yoga. Um, I'm always very open to people reaching out to my personal Facebook page as well. And my contact on there is Rachel Minium Wilson. It's like condominium without the condo <laughs> in the middle. And I pretty much, I mean, you're going to eventually see a, a family picture or a picture of our Westie camper van or my puppy, but... Most of my posts are related to yoga and um, what's going on with with my work that I'm doing or lessons that I'm learning. So that's a great way to connect. And since we talked about it on this podcast, uh, the acro group, the acrobatic group that Ulysses and I post to is also on Facebook as Acro Omis. Great. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. You've given us so much to think about and some great advice and wisdom. And I'm really grateful to have you on the Mindful Movement podcast. So uh, thank you. Absolutely. And I, I'm grateful and hope to connect with you again soon. Yeah, thank you so much, Sarah. It was really my honor. And I'm really happy to have gotten a chance to think through these really important issues as we spoke about them. And I think it's just great, wonderful subject matter and important things that you're talking about. So thanks so much for letting me be a part of it. I was glad to have you.